Um, and it's at this point that we get to the intermission of the song, of the album. Uh, again, as I said before, I'm not counting the intermission, uh, but I will say it's worth mentioning that the intermission is there to signify a change in the album, because at this point, the songs have been all very, like, electronic pop rock. And now the rest of these songs are going to be more like cabaret musically. Um, also, the intermission goes on for too long. Like, it goes for almost three minutes. There are no lyrics. There's like a very short, like someone says like one sentence in the whole thing. And the rest is basically just like white noise. The, it didn't, it didn't need to be that long introduction was only like 30 seconds why does why is this three minutes i don't know anyway moving on to the next song but it's better if you do i reckon it's quite interesting that they took that quote from closer and s cut it in half and basically put those two songs in two different halves anyway but it's better if you do uh i would say that the instrumentals are a lot less grating uh, than in a lot of the first part. Still very wordy lyrics. I swear I'm gonna shut up about the wordy lyrics now. I swear. Just keep in mind that this is, like, a prevalent issue in the whole album, alright? Anyway, so the narrator is in a strip club wishing that he didn't have to be there out of loneliness. That's what it's all about. Um, anyway... I feel as though I probably kind of prefer the cabaret sound to the electronic pop rock sound. Because, yeah, I found that the instrumentals in this song was a lot... In this whole second half, a lot less grating than the first half. Anyway, so, but it's better if you do, I give it a 5 out of 10. It's pretty inoffensive, like, I don't really have anything that bad to say about it. But it was also really unmemorable. So I just give it a five. Middle of the road. Very simple. Um, next is, I write sins, not tragedies. Now, something worth mentioning about this song is that this song was the only song that I had actually heard before actually listening to the full album. And I had heard about this song because I saw a list of all of the, like, well, actually, I looked up on Top Tens, uh, the website Top Tens, like Top Ten Panic at the Disco songs, and this song was considered to be number one, the best song that Panic at the Disco had ever made. So I looked it up, and that's how I knew about the song beforehand. And in comparison to the rest of the album, I would say it's kind of cliched to say this, but this is actually the best song on the album. Like, it's catchy. It's funny, uh, it doesn't take itself too seriously, which I think makes a lot of the faults, uh, that are still prevalent in this song, by the way, more endearing, and therefore more forgivable. Uh, and I think that's also what's given the song quite a... It's, it's gotten quite a meme status, which I can definitely get behind. I can get behind a meme. Um, yeah. So, also, because I'm most familiar with this song, I guess, 
I would say I understand it the best in this album, but I don't think that really affects my opinion at all. Uh, the title references this novel uh, that's called Shampoo Planet, where I think one of the characters mentions, it's like, I write, it's like, what I write is tragedies, I do not write sins, or something like that. So obviously they change it around. I write sins, not tragedies. Um, and this was back when I thought that that was a long title. Imagine what I thought about some of these other songs. Anyway, so the narrator disapproves of this unfaithful bride, who the song really subtly mentions uh, that the bride is unfaithful. Like, listen to the song, and it's like, like you might you might want to pay very close attention to the lyrics because it's not super obvious uh, that this bride is unfaithful. But anyway, she decides to take the high road and... Oh, no, no, no. Uh, the narrator decides to take the high road and not make a scene in this beautiful wedding. Um, and it's like, there can be a bright side to anything. Uh, like, not having to deal with a failed marriage. That's fun. Anyway, so yeah, I say this is the best song in the album. I give it a 7.5 out of 10. Um... It's the best song in the album, but I don't reckon it's the best song Panic's ever done. Like some like to say. Uh, the chorus doesn't really explode that much. Definitely not as much as I remembered it doing so. But the song is consistently good throughout, so I don't think it really matters as much. Um, yeah, 7.5 out of 10. I reckon that's, uh, I reckon that's fair. Next. I constantly thank God for Esteban. Uh, it's, I, I'm just gonna say right now, this song is just like, apparently it was just like, taken off a billboard. Apparent, I think Brendan just like, saw that message on a billboard at some point, and he was like, yeah, we can name a song after that. Anyway, so... I thought, when I heard the intro of the song, I immediately thought that it kind of sounded like a low-stake chase scene in a movie. Like, it was like a chase scene, but like, there's not really much consequence if the guy gets caught. I thought it, that was kind of funny. Um, I also found that there were very nice, the, there were some very nice soft vocals in the intro. Um, and... Whenever I think that in this album, it always, like, comes back to Belty. It seems to always happen. Anyway, uh, the chorus was very underwhelming, and it just sounded way too similar to the other songs on this album. I can't pick it apart. Like, like, it, yeah, it just sounds too similar to the other choruses. Uh, the post-chorus, I say has, like, it had potential to, like, make a nice sound, but then, like, that little bit ended just as quickly as my ears pricked up about it. Uh, I reckon the song probably would have been fine if it was, if, like, the whole song was just as soft and slow as the verses were, but the chorus is just so meh. Anyway... It's a statement about hypocrites and liars, uh, disguised as a criticism of religion, but apparently 
As the song progresses, it changes to being a criticism of how hypocritical people are in general, not just the religious. But anyway, put it this way, I have already, I listened to this album, like, just last night, and I was writing up these notes, uh, beforehand, like, I was writing them up, like, as I went along, and, like, you know, paused and played and all of that, um, I only listened to them last night, and I have already completely forgotten what this song sounded like. I'm giving the song a 3 out of 10, because it is so painfully average that I kind of felt like I would f just forget it as soon as I finished listening to it. And honestly, it didn't take me that long to finish it. That's one thing with this song. It's like, a lot of the mess songs are like... Well, actually, a lot of the songs in general are like... You kind of forget about them quite quickly. Anyway, so next song on the album, the penultimate song on this album... There's a good reason these tables are numbered, honey. You just haven't found it yet. That is the full title. And here we have the Panic at the Disco song in this album with the longest title. Terrific! We found it! This is the longest title. Why? Why is this title so long? There's a good reason these tables are numbered, honey. You just haven't found it yet. Why so long? Anyway. I will say. The intro. Very nice. Very nice intro with the cymbals and piano. Uh, it's like very simple like piano uh, melody. With like, sim with like the occasional cymbal coming in to establish a rhythm. It sounds nice. And it's. And I realize actually that. A lot of songs in this album have good intros. They actually do have legit good intros. But then, like, a lot of the time, as it progresses, it's like the chorus is just very underwhelming. Or it's just, like, very... It just, like, kind of doesn't progress at all or, like, something. But the intros tend to be very nice. Um, also... I realized that uh, the whole, like, speedy singing that Brendan's been doing the whole album, it works better when there's no music. Like, it's like, music starts playing, music stops, Brendan's like, da 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 music again. That sound, that's a good, that good, that's good, it works, it good, it's very good. Anyway, um... But the speedy singing doesn't work as well with the instrumentals, with the instruments involved, which is unfortunately most of the song. Um, the bridge for this song was good. The rhythm actually worked now, which, like, there was always something about the rhythm to a lot of these songs that were just like, it sounds off, but here it actually works. Anyway, the song sees Ryan, uh, Ryan, who was, if you don't remember, basically, like, the second lead guy of the band. He was the one who was, like, the backing vocalist, uh, the guitarist. Well, I mean, he was the backing vocalist and also primarily did, like, vocals, or, uh, guitar and keyboards, along with Brendan. 
Um, so yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, he's sabotaging what was supposed to be a perfect night for someone, uh, who pretends to be someone they're not. The song involves psychological warfare and laced cigarettes that cause harm or death, because, you know, not laced cigarettes don't cause harm or death. Fun times! Anyway, so this song I'm giving a 6 out of 10. Uh, it sounds nicer than most of the songs in this album, but it's still not as catchy as the other songs. And now for the final song on this album, Build God, Then We'll Talk. Now, the first thing that I can say about this one, uh, I know that I had said that the openings of the songs tend to always be quite good, but this is a nice opening. It is nice, let me tell you. Like, it starts off with, like, an accordion, um, with vocals, with, like, a very, like, like, a decently fast-paced rhythm, and then, like, th and then, like, as the lines go along, they then introduce, like, the drums and the guitar, and then, like, yeah, it's a really nice build-up. I really like the build-up. And then the cor- and then we get to the chorus, which is pretty underwhelming. We got a weak falsetto again, and the rhythm is, again, really off, it sounds. Uh, and I will say, I like the lyricism of the outro. Uh, pretty much the outro goes like, raindrops on roses and girls in white dresses, it's sleeping with roaches and taking best guesses. For those of you who, uh, have ever seen a musical, you would probably recognize that first part. It's, uh, Sound of Music reference, which I'm sure everybody already knew. Um, and with the outro, I was expecting it to kind of play out like, like, it goes back to, like, just the accordion, and it's like, Raindrops on roses and girls in white dresses, It's sleeping with roaches and taking best guesses. Like, you know, that, the rhythm that happens in Sound of Music. Um, instead, it goes like, what was it? It's like, Raindrops on roses and girls in white dresses, It's sleeping with roaches and taking best guesses. And it's like, it doesn't, I don't think it sounds as good as that could have been. Like, honestly, Brendan should have listened to me when he did that, and be like, hey, I reckon do this. And he's like, no, I'm gonna do this. I mean, to be fair, it does separate from actual sound of music, uh, the actual song. Um, but I don't think it sounds as good. Um... With, like, is there a guitar and drums and belting and all that. I don't think it really works as well. Um, which especially is hurt by the fact that it's a really jarring ending song. Keep in mind, this is the last song of the album. And it really doesn't feel like it. It just kind of ends and then that's it. Like, as far as I know... Most ending songs for an album tend to, like, they might, like, have a fade-out or something, like, like, they might have a fade-out or some, like, huge, like, grandiose event, huge grandiose, like, thing in the music that happens. Like, something that kind of indicates, like, the end of the album. But this one just kind of ends 
And at first I was just like, oh, it's over. Okay. Yeah, the song covers the unsettling aspects of cheating and the illusion of love that comes with prostitution. Now, I mean, like, sure. Like, that's, that's cool. Why did you decide to reference the sound of music when you did it, though? That's what I'm wondering. Uh... Yeah, uh, okay, so Genius Lyrics here says that um, it evokes nostalgia in listeners and illustrates the loss of innocence of the woman as she's grown older. Okay, I reckon that probably would have come across a lot better if you used the same rhythm. Because I feel like... I feel like the way it is, if I wasn't reading the lyrics as it went along... I probably wouldn't have even picked that up. And I feel as though, like, in order to induce a sense of nostalgia, it's got to be something that you can, like, hear and feel rather than something that you read, you know? Anyway, I give this song a 6.5 out of 10. The verses are really nice. The chorus is really underwhelming. It's like the opposite of how I usually hear songs. Usually it's like the chorus is the best part of the song and the verses kind of feel like they're just like, they're just leading up to the next chorus. But this one, it was like, the verses were actually my favorite part. Also, yeah, the outro I reckon was like, uh, anyway, yeah, so 6.5 out of 10. Um, so that's it. A Fever You Can't Sweat Out by Panic at the Disco, 2005. What did I think of it overall? So, upon reading the meanings of the songs, it seems that adultery and superficial love may be the fever that can't be sweated out. Which actually makes the title much more interesting in my eyes. I will also admit, it's an interesting choice to change genres mid-album. I reckon that's a really interesting choice. I reckon it was for the best, actually, because I think the second half of the album is overall a lot more tolerable than the first. So, what I'm gonna do now... I've been going for an hour, what the heck? Anyway, um... What I do... So, pretty much what I'm gonna do here, I'm going to take uh, the overall scores uh, that I got and just, like, uh, combine all of them together to try and get like a, a mean, a mean average score of the entire album entirely. I'm gonna add up all of the scores that I had given, um, the individual songs, and then add them all up, and then divide them by the number of songs that are, um, in this album. Uh, so, oh, and also, like I said, I'm not going to be counting the opening, uh, the introduction or the intermission, because ultimately, uh, this is like, well, because I didn't count them as far as scores go, um, and honestly, even if I were to give them scores, it probably wouldn't, uh, count 
Like, it, it wouldn't be that high, basically. Anyway, um... Also, I just found out that apparently the Japanese edition had some hidden tracks, which included the demos for Time Dance, Nails for Breakfast, Tax for Snacks, and Camisado. Two of the worst songs on the entire album. Why would I want to listen to a worse version of them? Anyway, adding all of these scores together, we get 55.5 and then divide that by the number of songs in the album, which is 11, you get 5. So, that's 5... 5, um... Five, overall score of 5 out of 10. I reckon that's... Mm. Okay, so here's the thing. I reckon I Write Sins Not Tragedies is... The best song on the album. I'd say it's the only actually good song on the album. Um, the first two songs and then the last one are okay. But then the rest are like... They're just like mediocre and forgettable at best. And just flat out bad and like intolerable to the ear at worst. To be honest, I feel like 5 out of 10 is pretty generous to be honest and i'm sorry for those of you who actually like this album and say it's a classic i know some people this is like their favorite album that panic has done i saw one that like was ranking all of the panic albums uh out of the six that they've done and they said this was actually the third best that they've ever done and i'm sorry I don't agree with that at all. Like, I I'll elaborate more on it later on, in when I get to more episodes. But this is just like, ugh. What the heck? Like, ugh. I feel like five out of ten is pretty generous, to be honest. But. I'm not going to say whether to recommend it or not, because you may disagree with me completely. Give it, give it a listen and find out for yourself. That's my thoughts on it anyway. But anyway, so that concludes the first episode of uh, Band Retrospectives, I guess I'm going to call it that. This went on for way longer than I expected it to. It's an hour and four minutes. Mm. Anyway, let, uh, yeah, so next time... I'm going to be talking about their very next album, Pretty Odd, and I guess I'll try and be faster with it. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening, hope I didn't bore you too much, and uh, yeah, anyway, have a good one.